Welcome to Habits for Happiness with Lady Fuller. The path to happiness is paved with healthy habits. We spend much of our lives searching for happiness when the key we're looking for is right there inside of us. We can discover that key through habit change, which you're about to learn about. Now, here is your host, Lady Fuller. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Habits for Happiness, the show where we discuss habits you can employ to make your, in your daily life to make you happier. And here on Habits for Happiness today to talk about being a badass is author and speaker Jen Sincero. Welcome, Jen. Thank you. And thank you for getting my name right. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And for those of you guys who don't know, I'm Lady Fuller, a habits and success coach. I help clients drop limiting habits and adopt healthier habits for a happier life. And Jen is a New York Times bestselling author. I'm sure you've seen her books. She's also a speaker and motivational, and her motivational speaker. And in her words, she's a cattle prod. (laughs) Motivational cattle prod, I think you said, who's helped countless people transform their personal and professional lives. Her number one bestseller, You Are a Badass, has been on the New York Times bestseller list for over four and a half years, which has to be some sort of record. And she's also written You Are a Badass at Making Money, You Are a Badass Every Day, and of course, my personal favorite, Badass Habits. So it goes without saying that Jen is the guru on how to have a badass life, and she is quite the badass herself. So Jen, first tell us, what are you working on now? What am I working on now? I'm I'm emerging from the pandemic, or am I still in it? (laughs) Um, I'm really working on figuring out my next steps, to be perfectly honest. I'm sort of... Mm. in that exciting and disorienting space of uh, figuring out what's going to be the funnest and most meaningful next move. So that's what I'm working on. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So, you know, obviously I've, I've read all of your books and one of the questions that came up for me, you know, after I finished Badass Habits is why habits? So why do you go from you are a badass to, you know, what was the inspiration for writing Badass Habits specifically? I felt like my uh, first three badass books were so much about uncovering your limiting beliefs and Mm -hmm. becoming aware and, you know, all the foundational work you need to do to to change your life. And so I felt like the habit one was such an obvious organic next one so that you could put all of the stuff you've learned on autopilot. Since as you know, and I'm sure you talk about all the time, your habits create your life. So what you're doing just on autopilot informs what you see around you. So I was really excited to to get people to, to figure out how to automate excellent lives. Oh my God. Automate excellent lives. I love that. So <laughs> of course I'm going to ask, what's your favorite habit? Oh, what is my favorite habit? <laughs> See, this you is know, not your normal question. I know. I love it. I think my favorite habit, honestly, is pulling myself out of my drama and catching myself in low frequency thoughts. You know, I go there mm. as much as any other human being because I'm a human being. Yeah. But I have to say, with all the work I've done on myself, I think my favorite habit is catching myself in it and being like, Really? Really? <laughs> you know, so when I'm you catch down. yourself, you know, I think a lot of my clients, um, you know, suffer from overthinking, right? That's probably mm-hmm. the number one habit that people right. come to me as a coach for. And so like for overthinking, which might be what you're talking about, sort mm-hmm. of, that might even be, you know, what we would call negative self-talk. Right. How do you flip that script? 
Well, first of all, I let myself feel however I'm feeling. Like if I'm mm-hmm. having, if something happens and I'm having a temper tantrum about it, or I screwed something up or somebody did something and I, and it triggers an emotion. I don't, I am not the Pollyanna, like always think positive thoughts. <laughs> it's like, have your freak out. It's very important, but then don't identify with it and don't mm-hmm. let it take over everything. So I let myself feel the feels, but then, um, then I, you know, once you catch yourself in the drama, it's almost cute and funny, right? And, you know, really, so it's, it's <laughs> cute and funny how? <laughs> because we're on a ball in infinite space. Mm-hmm. We're on a ball in infinite space. So the fact that that guy just cut me off in traffic, I'm yeah. allowed to, you know, I, yeah, have, totally. I have really, road rage is definitely one of my top three <laughs> go-tos, <laughs> but um, but then I can catch myself and be like, seriously, you are going to create stress and bile and grow another gray hair over that. So I can, I can, I can put it into context after I've had my little knee jerk and then, you know, slowly get myself out of it. So I think obviously the first thing is to be aware that you're in that moment, right? to let the feelings run through you and then to refocus and either find humor in it or focus on the fact that you're in a car that you get to drive, which is a miracle, or, you know, there's so many ways you can focus your attention that remind you how incredibly blessed you are. So I usually go to that. Love that. And in your book, Badass Habits, you talked about this idea of sort of flipping the script through mantra. Mm. Um, So maybe you could tell us a little bit about that sort of life hack, if you will, about how to, how to reverse our thoughts with the, the opposite thought. Right. So when you focus on a specific habit that you want to change, so I'll, mm. I'll just stick with the one that I wrote about the most, which was my relationship with money, which was horrendous for the first 40 years of my life. Um, I caught myself in my mantra, which was, I can't afford it. I literally said, I can't afford it 600,000 times a day. Yeah. <laughs> so when I started doing the work and becoming aware, I was like, hey, you know, if I want to get rich, I should probably knock it off with the, I can't afford it. So, because what you focus on, you create. So, if you keep saying that, the universe will be like, great, you can't afford it. Let's support her in her beliefs. Right. Yeah. So, you know, that's why mantras are so powerful. So, um, I won't go into too deep detail, but my new mantra, based on which words were the most emotional for me. So, this is the Mm. most important because we are creatures that are driven by emotion. So, my new mantra became, money flows to me easily and freely. Okay. So, this is very Napoleon Hill. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And on so, a suggestion, right? Yeah. And, but I, yeah, I love that book. But so you don't have to believe it at first. Cause at the time I was living in a garage driving a car that had no grill, you know, right. all that stuff, but it felt good. So the feelings around the new mantra crack you open to start proving that mantra, right. As opposed to the old mantra. Yeah. Because the universe sort of, I tell my clients just always wants to give us what we want, but if we're not Mm -hmm. specific, it'll give us something close, but like four beats off. And if we're specific about how hard it is and how we've tried a million times in the past and failed and that we don't really believe that it's actually going to work for us, it will provide that as well. Yeah. That's so interesting. And so, you know, in my work as a coach, I do a lot of sort of belief unpacking and we basically people come to me for behavior change, right? So they want to drop a habit. And, but I always start with sort of this idea between identity, beliefs, and behaviors. So you talk a lot about this, and this is what resonated so much in your book for me is this idea and relationship between identity and habits. So Mm -hmm. can you tell us more about that? Yeah, because 
um, when you identify as someone or something, it's in the positive and in the present. Mm-hmm. So I use the example of when I was a smoker, which I loved smoking and <laughs> I was a smoker and I tried to quit a million times, but was really unsuccessful because I was identifying unbeknownst to me as an ex-smoker. So I was yeah. still attached to the smoker part mm-hmm. when I was really successful at shifting was when I identified as somebody who was really healthy, who took great care of her body and um, who just wanted to, to breathe and hike and do do exercisey things, which I could not do when I was smoking. So the to to the reason that is so powerful is because when I was an ex-smoker, I entered into what I call the negotiation process. Yeah. So I'd be out at a bar having a cocktail, and I'd be like, one drag isn't gonna kill me, you know, but one drag, and I was up to a pack a day. Yeah. When I became somebody who was really healthy, who took care of her body, I didn't even enter into the negotiation of the one mm-hmm. drag because it was as ridiculous as negotiating as to whether or not I was going to drink a bottle of vodka for breakfast. Totally. It's not who I was. So, you know, so the identity is enormous because what happens is we do, we take action, but we're not identified. And the mindset is way stronger than the actions. Yeah, totally. So, so I don't drink and I gave up mm. drinking about four years ago. Mm. And I'm a big sort of fan of Annie Grace. If you know her work, she's, she actually is a Colorado native and she famously in her book talks a lot about the naked mind that she drinks as much as she wants, as often as she wants, it just happens to be nothing. So sort of having that empowered attitude. I love that. (laughs) So you actually smoke as much as you want, as often as you want, but it just happens to be nothing for now. (laughs) <laughs> right. Because at 85, I'm I heard that. Again. I heard that at 85. And I was like, oh, maybe at 85, I'll have a glass of red wine. Right. Um, <laughs> it's something to look forward to. For right. Sure. I'm going to stay healthy me- just so I can do that. Totally. Maybe 90. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Um, and so for people that, you know, are listening and they're wondering, you know, a lot of our listeners, you know, haven't maybe even thought about their habits. So I just want to raise this idea. Mm. Um, do you believe that there's good habits and bad habits? You know, that's such an excellent question because good and bad is so judgy wudgy. So I'm going to say that there are helpful habits and unhelpful habits because Ooh, bad habits like that. can lead you to discovery, right? You know, our, our, our biggest failures are some of the biggest learning opportunities. So uh, yes, I'm going to say there are habits that are helpful and unhelpful for you to reach your goals. Yeah. And they all sort of have like a positive intention, right? They're there to keep us safe, whatever they are. Mm-hmm. They just might not be serving us or right. sort of to use your words. You talked about an interview I watched, how there was like sort of these primal work around habits. Like we pick up a lot of our habits at much younger ages, and then we're sort of carrying them around and using them in sort of like our 40-year-old selves, but it's Mm -hmm. a 10-year-old habit. And so sort of part of the work that you describe in your book, in my opinion, is like sort of like upgrading your operating system. Mm -hmm. Like it's giving a software upgrade. Like the hardware is the same to some extent, but but you're running really old software with old habits. Right. Right. And the only way is through awareness of what is going on. Yeah. So talk to me about willpower and habits because this is the new year mm-hmm. and people are thinking, okay, you know, I'm doing, I personally, in my work, I'm doing a, a drinking challenge, a 30 day, no drinking challenge for dry January, but people may be thinking like, I can't keep it up because I don't have the willpower. And so this like goes in, if you're a fan of like Dr. Fogg, he talks about habits and his, his book, mm-hmm. Tiny Habits, but 
Tell me about like the relationship between willpower and habit change. Do you have to have like the greatest willpower on earth or is it something else? I am not a big, I don't feel one way. Well, let me see. How do I say this? I don't promote willpower so much because it seems sort of, I don't know. It, it, it seems like a huge elephant. I like, I like small bites better. Mm-hmm. So willpower for me is like, like the Alcoholics Anonymous one day at a time thing I think is brilliant because having the willpower to not drink for 30 days seems a lot, you know? So it's I, overwhelming enough to drink. Exactly. <laughs> it will drive you to the bottle. So exactly. I feel like instead of, and, and you can call it whatever you want. It's all just semantics, but I feel like for me personally, and for a lot of my clients, the day-to-day thing of like, you know what, just for today, I'm going to not drink just for today. And then you wake up the next day and it's like, just for today, I'm not going to drink. So it's not so overwhelming because overwhelm is the number one killer of most goals. And so I feel Mm -hmm. like you can have quote unquote willpower for one day. That's way more manageable and and way easier. I mean, ease is the key to good habits. Oh, I love this. Easy. And yeah, so, so, so I guess ease I is the key to have it. Sorry yeah. to interrupt you, but that's something yeah. that's like a stick a pin in or a writer downer. That's so awesome. <laughs> and overwhelm kills goals. I like that one too. Yeah. And, and so with ease, you know, it's sort of a no brainer, but a lot of times you don't even really think about it. How can I make it easier for myself not to drink? I don't go to bars. I don't <laughs> hang out with people who drink like, you know, what, whatever it is, like, it's so sort of a no duh, but especially in the beginning when you're, when you're really working to make it part of who you are, you got to set yourself up for success and, and also make it hard for yourself to do the habits you don't want to do. So get all the booze out of your house, you know, know, whatever it is. So, so getting clear on the specifics, which are also the keys to freedom, in my opinion, uh, getting clear on the specifics about what will make it easy and what will make it more difficult is huge. And it takes, I don't know, one minute. Yeah. 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 And so, you know, I'm really impatient and mm. I suffer too, from sister. <laughs> like, you know, as my dad says, he's like, you are fire ready aim. So, you know, in my mm. life, I've tried to, as I've worked on my own personal habits, realizing that it is one day at the time and it is, you know, an exercise in patience, right? We can't change our habits overnight, even though we say 21 days, mm-hmm. it isn't, it's, you know, the research shows that it's a plethora of time. It can be one week or it can be one year. It just depends. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so what's the relationship between patience in our lives and, mm. <laughs> and healthy habits? I love that question. Well, I think that, you know, again, it's the tiny bite-sized in the moment. Like that's why staying in the moment is so helpful. If you mm. can really practice that, because then it doesn't matter because it's about the damn journey. So it's like, you know what? I'm doing great right now. Yeah. And just appreciating that. And, you know, it does take patience and we do want the prize at the end of the road, but really, you know, and, and don't forget, once you get that prize, there is always another prize that then rears its head. It's like, oh, now I want yeah. that. <laughs> it's like mountain climbing it's <laughs> Colorado, right? Yeah. So, so if you can get sort of more, if you can pull back from it and be like, okay, I'm growing, I'm sticking to my guns, I'm learning, I'm feeling better, mm-hmm. get, make that 
the prize. Yeah. So like the intention underneath the habit, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I love that. And the process. Yeah. And the process. So for people who may be listening and thinking, well, I don't know how to be present. So tell us mm. sort of your tricks for being present. It's really all about remembering. I mean, all of this is about remembering, you know, remembering to be grateful, remembering to shift your focus over something that makes you feel crappy to -hmm. something that makes you feel good. Remembering why you love somebody so much, who just pissed you off, you know, like there's so many ways and we tend to grip onto the stuff that makes us feel badly for some weird reason, right? A lot of times we love suffering. We're like, we love suffering. Gives me a, it gives me a job. So I (laughs) but people love to suffer. Yeah. Right. Me included. A new job. (laughs) So, uh, oh, so staying present, you know, I guess it's about remembering to focus on your breath. Just really, and honestly, I mean, this is where the post-it notes come in and the mantras and all that stuff, but dorky as it sounds, it really works. Maybe just like put a post-it note on your dashboard that says breathe. I should. Oh, I love that. Paint it on the side of my car with my road rage. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. And like, there's, there's science behind this idea that even if you put post-it notes all over your house that say breathe, and even if you're not like actively looking at them all day, it's still reminding your subconscious to breathe. Mm-hmm. I used to wear yeah. a ring that was my breathe ring. So every time I looked at it, I would just remember, you know, any stupid little trick that you can do to. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I love that. So, okay. So just zooming out a little bit um, for those that might be listening, um, you were a coach and I, I don't know if you're currently coaching, but you know, this sort of idea that you write about across all of your books is this, you know, being in a stuck state, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so people that, might be listening and thinking, feeling they're stuck, which I know is so many of us because here I'm stuck in patience and I'm currently trying to drop sugar, which is like, it's, I could write a whole nother, we could have a whole nother show on that one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you talked about this idea of getting out of your familiarity zone and it's mm-hmm. sort of like the hero's journey, right? Like how do we leave the harbor? Mm-hmm. And so for those people who are stuck, like what's the first step? Like how, how do we get unstuck or how do we start to get unstuck? First stop identifying as stuck mm. and then take the drama out. Like I, I, and again, like, believe me, we're all works in progress. And I just remembered this week, this phrase, because I am, I'm in, I'm in a real um, recreating sort of reimagining my career phase. Mm-hmm. And I was totally getting stuck in my drama and blah, blah, blah. And so I remembered a phrase that I wrote that I love that really helped me so much was, um, I just want to see what I can get away with. I just want to see what I can get away with. Like, I just want to see. That can be dangerous. Huh? That can be dangerous in my, for me. Really? Yeah. Because I can be, I don't know. Like for those people that know me, well, I can be a little fearless. So I can, you know, I I think I need, I need some sort of like peligroso, you know, like I need a danger sign around me. (laughs) I guess it depends how you define danger. Danger, yeah. I just want to see if I can make a million dollars this year. I just want to see Ooh. if I can get on the New York Times bestseller list. I just want to see and, and, and just having a more playful, playful attitude towards it because we make such drama about, mm-hmm. oh my God. I mean, unless you're going to wind up in a puddle of blood at the end of it, who cares if you ask out that person that is so quote unquote out of your league or totally your rates or whatever it is that's scaring the hell out of you? What's the big whoop do you do? You're on a planet yeah. in infinite space. So. So you're talking about playing, like playing to win, right? I'm talking about playing for fun. 
And <laughs> yeah, and, playing you know, for fun. That's amazing. I yeah. love that. Playing for fun, right? It's sort of like the why not game. Yeah. You know? Why not? So so you talk about this idea of identifying a stuck as step one. So mm-hmm. how would somebody identify if know they were stuck? If it, like, we know that, yeah. but like for you know, the average person listening, they might know. Mm. I think really start listening to your words and mm-hmm. what you're talking about and how hard it is and how you can't do it because of A, B, C, and D, and all just really be on the lookout for your excuses and also look at your life. And if there's something that you're pining for that you just will not let yourself move forward on, you know, really just taking in the information around yourself and, and how do you feel? You know, do you feel (laughs) like you're just, do you feel good or do you feel bad? Yeah. More more often than you want to, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, in my work, I talk about habits in sort of terms of creating happiness for us. Mm. So I'm going to ask you this sort of big, bad, and ugly question. What does happiness mean to you? Happiness, you know, it's, it's, it's a feeling and Mm -hmm. it really is, it's a, it's a feeling in my body. And if, you know, I can be, and it comes and goes like everybody else, I don't think happiness is at all permanent. And I think the better we get at remembering to check in and that remembering that we have the freedom of thought and focus, Mm -hmm. the more time we spend in that happiness zone and that feeling of like tingliness in your body. I feel it very much in my chest, you know, it's Mm -hmm. just, it really is a very visceral thing for me. Oh, I love that. Um, badass at, at, um, remembering maybe is your next mm, book, this no idea you've kidding. said, it, you've said it so many times in this interview, mm-hmm. that word, and it's just such an amazing word because, um, it's sort of the portal word to happiness as you just described, but it's also the portal word that you've you already used to staying present, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, in the, it's the portal word you've already described to having perspective. Like we are on this, you know, whatever, we're on the third rock from the sun spinning around in space. I just watched mm-hmm. Away on Netflix and it was like, it made me realize <laughs> we are just nothing, you know, in, in the Ooh, I gotta watch that. time. Yeah, it's, it's Hillary Swank. It was a couple of years ago, but it, oh, cool. I'm, 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 they go to Mars on the, on the show. Oh. They're very far away from Earth and it's about the astronauts feeling very far away and very minuscule in, this, in the span of space. And so you it is sort of important for us to realize. So I think, you know, a key takeaway, at least so far, is this idea of remembering um, and remembering. It's just a really- Remembering powerful. to remember. Remembering <laughs> to remember. As I yeah. get, that's, that's very tough, but uh-huh. <laughs> early onset. So I want to talk about the topic of boundaries because mm-hmm. you talk about it in your work. And I find that this topic comes up in all the coaching that I do. And it tends to be a very <laughs> triggering topic. Mm. But how, you know, how in habit change, what's the relationship between habits and boundaries? It's a critical piece of the puzzle because when you change who you're being, it shifts everything in your reality, right? And so in order to facilitate that, you've set up boundaries, good, helpful and unhelpful 
to create the quote unquote reality you're in right now. And when you shift your reality, you need to be aware of the new boundaries you set up. So let's say your new habit is going to, you're going to become somebody who runs every day. Mm -hmm. You need to set up a boundary with time, right? You have to be very um, conscious of protecting your time so that you can go take that run. You need to be protective of conversations about failure and laziness and, you know, you've just got to guard yourself. You can't control other people, but yeah. you, you have control over yourself. So just being clear of, you know, th- this again is the specifics part about what kind of new boundaries do you need to set up to have success and who you want to become. Yeah. So, so for those people who might be listening and wondering, like, what are we talking about? When you say boundaries, what do you mean? Are we talking about physical, mm-hmm. emotional? How do you define boundaries? All of those physical, emotional thoughts, mm-hmm. spatial um, time, all of it, you know, yeah. really? Yeah. And it, and it's not that big of a, you know, it's like, so here's something else I just want to go into. I'm, you know, I, most of my audience is women and as women, yeah. we are raised to put everybody else's needs first. It's just in yeah. our fiber. And, and, and I you know, am and responsible great. for others. That's probably the number one belief I work on. Yeah. Right. So the one boundary that I find the most common with women is the um, difficult is saying yes when you really want to say no, right? Mm-hmm. So we spread ourselves so thin and we put everybody else's needs in front of ours. And because we want to be nice, we want to be liked, we want to be helpful, we want to serve. But so this is another just sort of mindset shift, which is really the root of everything, is when you see setting a no boundary as helpful for everyone, not just yourself, it's not mm-hmm. selfish. It is selfish, but I'm all about selfishness, the way I define selfishness. Um, when, when you set a good boundary, because when you say yes, instead of saying no, you are exhausted. A lot of times you're resentful and then you are passive aggressive. Yeah. So how the hell does that help anybody? You know, (laughs) yeah, totally. And we can't pour from an empty cup, right? So it's like if we want to be caregivers, yeah, we can't do that. So I'm gonna we're gonna pause and go to break, but when we come back, we're gonna talk about being a badass at saying no, which is a boundary. (laughs) That's I mean (laughs) title too, right? (laughs) So hang on, everyone. Um, we're gonna head to break and we'll be back with Jen Sincero talking about being a badass. Try out a free coaching session with your host, Lady Fuller, to learn more about our individualized and corporate coaching programs. Learn to drop bad habits and pick up healthier habits to live a healthier life. Email her at lady at happinessmba.com. That's L-A-D-Y at happinessmba.com. Or check out our coaching business at habits, the letter for happiness.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Want to reward clients, customers, or employees with a gift that will blow their socks off? We at International Gifting Company have your next corporate event covered. 
we carry 250 personalized gifts for on-site incentive events. Or we can create virtual gift boxes your employees and clients can receive at home. Contact us today for a quick and free proposal. We love to wow. Contact info at intlgiftingco.com or check out our webpage at intlgiftingco.com. It's your world. Motivate, change, succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Habits for Happiness. To reach the show today, call in to 1 888 346 9141. That's 1 888 346 9141. Now, back to our program. Here again is Lady Fuller. Thanks, everyone, for hanging in here there. We're back for Habits for Happiness with Jen Sincero, um, the badass author of You Are a Badass and Badass Habits, amongst others. And we were talking before the break about saying no, right? Having the, the badassery, if that's a, I don't know if that's a verb, but we just made it one, of saying no and having boundaries. So for those people who've really never said no in their life and maybe listening, like, what are some pointers you have? To first reframe it as something that is doesn't mean you're a bad person. It means you are somebody who loves yourself, who respects yourself in your own time, and who helps others by modeling how to respect yourself and your own time and space and needs. So I think that the, the first reason that we say yes and we want to say no is because we feel like it makes us bad somehow. So reframing mm. that by I'm being good to myself, not mean to anybody else. Um, and then, you know, really giving people the opportunity to have their own drama and not taking their drama on is sort of my second tip around that is like, yeah, I'm going to go running every day at eight o'clock, which means my kids are going to have to pour their own cereal if they want to eat that for breakfast. And right. they're going to be, and they're actually going to grow and learn responsibility and respect the fact that I have needs. And also I'm going to be happier and more in shape and healthier and I can take better care of them that way. Yeah. So you know? here, there are two things you're saying. So like the first is that saying no is a form of self-care, mm-hmm. right? It's not selfish. I would argue it's self-care. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is like, I think people might have, and this is what I hear you saying, more respect for us if we mm-hmm. say no, right? Like people can't really respect our boundaries if we don't have any. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, think about it. In your life, yeah. don't you have somebody who's so good at it, who doesn't make a drama around is like, actually, no, I'm not available for that, but I am available for this. Yeah, and it's, it's amazing for wine and be like, well, but, totally. Right? Yeah. yeah. So you set the stage. Yeah, it's amazing. And it's it completely empowering. And when I first learned about boundaries, I would start to set them and people would respect them. And I was like, oh my gosh, they're actually doing that. I should have done that a long time ago. It's like an amazing, it's amazing shift, right? That we can actually have what we want. We just mm-hmm. need to ask for it. We need to ask for it. And when we ask for it, if they have a freak out because especially if you've been the kind of person who said yes to everybody your whole life, it's very possible that the people are going to be grouchy about you not yeah. putting them first. That's the storm is before the norm. <laughs> the storm before the norm. I love that. It yeah. is the storm so, before the norm. We all get that when we set boundaries for sure. Yeah. And none of your business. 
Yeah. That's there. Yeah. Staying in mm-hmm. our own business. So mm-hmm. for habits, okay, so if we're going to move to people that might be making resolutions, right, for the new year and they've fallen off the habit train, mm-hmm. so how do you recommend, you know, getting back on and, and, and how do you treat slip-ups sort of in habit change? Um, first of all, don't make a huge drama about it. Um, Back to drama. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> drama. Bring in drama. These are like two major topics. I love it. <laughs> um, and then look at, be grateful for falling off and being like, okay, what, what made me fall off? What, mm-hmm. Get the specific reason that you fell off or the, the, the whatever happened or the thought that caught you, you know, try and get specific about what kicked you off and then turn it around or make it hard for that thing to happen again, or figure out a way to support yourself so that that doesn't happen again. Like use that as information. Yeah. And yeah. So I always like that song that's like, I fell down. I can't sing, so I won't do it for you all, but like I fell down and I get up again. <laughs> I always think about that with habit change. It's like you do fall down, but there's information in what you're saying in the falling down. And then you get back up again and we're different when we get back up again, right? So we're, mm-hmm. we're recommitted and we're interested in continuing on and, and, and right. learning about sort of the back and forth. It's the experiment, right? It's like a big, huge um, science experiment of our own sort of human behavior, if you will. Right. Yeah. So are there certain habits that you say for most people are a healthy habit? So we've talked a lot about sort of the how, but not so much about the what. Um, mm-hmm. Beyond remembering, because we've talked about that habit. Mm-hmm. I think getting into the habit of being aware of catching mm-hmm. yourself in the moment is really healthy for everybody and, and not being in reactive mode, but being in response mode where God. you're not just knee jerking it, but you're formulating a response is a great habit. I think the habit Wait, of being do, do that, <laughs> how do we make that happen? Cause that would change pretty much everyone's lives. It's remembering to be in the moment. It's yeah. The they're breath. back to remembering Taking a breath. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think this idea of like, you know, it's obviously sort of in the root of Buddhism, right? Or the root of all these sort of like ancient sort of, you know, if if you've read a lot of ancient texts or whatever, they've been telling us for thousands of years, you know, this ability to respond and not react and take that space, whether it's the pregnant pause or remembering or awareness is where all of our power lies. Mm -hmm. Um, So how do we do that? It's just remembering. (laughs) being aware practice practice it's a muscle yeah Yeah. practice 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 yeah and so back to practice and um i know in your work in the end of um badass habits you talk about practicing through doing a 21 day challenge can you tell Mm -hmm. us more about that yeah i was really excited in that book to have the opportunity to let people start developing new habits or get rid of old habits while they're reading the book so that instead of just reading the book And then hopefully doing what it says, as you're reading the book, I broke it down into 21 little tips that you can do each day. And they're short and to the point, which is, you know, again, I'm impatient too. So I just want the damn information. (laughs) I want to get on with my life. So I made it really bite-sized and hopefully potent so that you could really start seeing results before you finish the book. Yeah. Yeah. And this is something that like, if people pick up the book, they can do with a friend. I find that Mm -hmm. having an accountability partner um, to practice a habit, I just started a hat and wanted to do 20 minutes of yoga every morning, just Mm -hmm. uh, not even as my exercise, just to like get myself Mm -hmm. going. And I I grabbed a friend and we actually have to text each other every day when we do it. it. We're on day 20. And we joke often that if 
my accountability partner wasn't there on the other end of the phone, I definitely wouldn't be doing it. Mm, I love that. <laughs> so that's definitely something. And then it, you know, it made me realize how much I liked yoga and, and explored sort of in other areas of my life. Um, but I do think having an accountability partner is fun. And to use this, you know, if you guys grab the book, which you definitely should, um, this 21-day challenge, you can do it with the book group, you can do it with yourself, and you can do it with pretty much anything, right? Yeah. 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 And I'm so, a huge, yeah. Go ahead. I, I'm a huge believer in accountability partners and just surrounding yourself with people who are supportive and help you and cheer you on and all that stuff. Yeah. So, people who want us to be our brightest and yeah, best, right? Exactly. Yeah, definitely. And like back to this identity piece that we talked about in the beginning, if we don't believe that we're worthy of the change, we will surround ourselves with people who reinforce that belief that we're not worthy of the change. <laughs> I know. Isn't it weird? And we do it so unconsciously. It's so no, totally. Yeah. You know, it's like this idea that like whatever um, we believe we will constantly look for experiences to tell us and, and, and sort of evidence to tell us that that belief is true and we will always find it. Like it, I have a whole section in Badass Habits about how human beings love nothing more than being right. We love to be right, even when it doesn't serve us. Totally. We're very righteous. It's very yes. arrogant of us, isn't it? I know. Yeah, which, believe, which, which leads us into sort of this former thing we talked about, which this idea and belief around that we're responsible for others. So tell me that your thoughts when you have people or in your work about this, this idea around it, it's a boundary work, right? That I am mm -hmm. responsible for others, for those that mm -hmm. might be listening. Well, I make a distinction between being responsible for others and being responsible to others. And we mm -hmm. are responsible to others. Like the way we behave to our fellow creatures is important, but we are not responsible for their reactions and for their success and for all the things that is really their business, not ours. So I think it's really important to be in integrity and mm -hmm. to, to, really tap into your own feelings around your actions and ask yourself, why am I doing this? Am I doing this to be liked or to be popular or to be needed or to be mean or to be vengeful? You know, what is your why behind it? And if it's because it feels good, then that's a green light. But I think it's such an interesting exercise to stop and think about like, why am I doing this again? Yeah. And chances are very good. If you're a good person, if it feels good, it's going to help somebody else because the number one thing that brings people happiness is helping other people. Yeah, totally. And so tell, talk to us about the habit of kindness, right? So like, um, you know, is that something when you were writing is, you know, kindness, we don't think of as a habit really necessarily. Mm -hmm. We think of like running or drinking water or sleeping. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Habit. But like in your view, is kindness a habit? Absolutely. And I, and I think mm. also, again, it's that mindset around the feeling of revenge or being mean. You know, whenever you do something crappy to somebody, maybe it's fleeting because you got them back, but you don't feel good. <laughs> you know, it doesn't really. It's I feel good thing. initially, but you definitely of course you do later. Yes, <laughs> yes right? <laughs> totally. Yes. Listen, I'm not saying I don't do it, but <laughs> it doesn't in the long run really feel that good. So, I think it really does come from tapping into wanting to feel good. It's so basic and it doesn't, you know, we, I think if you really just pay attention to your feelings and, and decide that you're going to live a life where you really focus on and make it important that you feel good, mm -hmm. that's such a great foundation for everything because everything falls in the line then, right? Yeah. Like no, I don't, I, yeah. Yeah. 
I interviewed Gretchen Rubin, and we obviously we talked a lot about happiness since that's her sort of specialty and yours is, you know, habits and being a badass. But she, I asked her a lot about this and she said exactly what you're saying was that like, we should ask, like, does this make me happier right now? And so mm-hmm. what you're saying, it's like, does this and being present, right? Remembering to be present, like, does this feel good right, right. now? Um, and, and it, you know, it's sort of this idea we've had some like yoga masters on, but who've talked about like, is what I'm saying necessary, <laughs> kind, and, and, um, what is the other one? Uh, is what I'm saying kind, is what I'm saying necessary, and what is saying true or something. Mm. Um, and those are and all just, great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's something like, you know, to ask ourselves, like before mm-hmm. we, it's back to this sort of pregnant pause, right? So, and I really want to say being kind to yourself counts, you know, like I just feel like it's always, if you could be as compassionate for yourself as you are for other people. Wow. Totally. Right? Why is that such a hard one? It's so well, I think so. And it's like, you know, at least I can only speak to the voice in my head, but you know, it's sort of this concept, like if we met the voice in our head, we would be like, you're just terrible human being. I do not want to be friends with you at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've been complaining to a friend recently about how I even you can be a real um, driver, you know, like a, a bit of a sort of, I have a lot of like self, you know, beating myself up in my head. And I think it's because, you know, we don't know that, that kindness is an option, right? It's almost like mm-hmm. you have, you know, but back to the, I'm dating myself, but, you know, I watched a lot of like Bugs Bunny as a kid. And so there was like, you know, they, <laughs> just, and there was these, you know, they often had like the angel on one hand. Like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did a uh-huh. lot of that. And it's sort of like this idea. It's like feeding the wolf, whichever one you feed will win. And we just learn somehow in our culture that if we push ourselves and strive and strive and strive and strive and strive, we will be happier, which obviously is a misnomer because we've, I can only speak to myself, but I, I definitely, you know, checked off everything on the cultural checklist and found myself very unhappy. So, mm. um, you know, how do we listen to the angel more on our shoulders? Um and I don't have the answer or I'd be doing it, but um, I think self-care is definitely a wonderful vehicle for that. I think you're so right on. And understanding that your happiness, you will be happier with when you're kinder to other people. There's, there's just like this shame around self-care and happiness, right? Like it's so interesting. Yeah. And, and you don't, and so this idea like of not saying it's selfish, right? So yeah. something I work on with my clients is, um, and I stole from life coach, Jesse Eisenberg, I don't know if you follow him, he's hysterical. He's a, like a life coach for a mini celebrities, but he is a funny Instagram page and he has a life calendar that's like the size of an entire wall. And he says, you should plan like all of your personal stuff, all of your vacations for the year, all of your self-care first. And then everything oh, else comes next, I right? I love that. Isn't yes. that amazing? So like yes. having how my clients have been sitting with a less, especially like CEO clients I work with and saying, plan all your vacations for the year, sign up for all the races you want to do. If, if that's something you want to do, you know, make all your spa appointments, whatever it is today for the rest of the year. I and love everything that. Everything else comes next. Because we Brilliant. will make space, right? This is Parkinson's law. Like we will, we will take up with work and I can speak for myself, like it will take over everything mm-hmm. if you don't make space for all the other stuff. Yeah. So that's sort of fun. So let's that. talk morning routine. I'm a big morning routine person. I believe in that habit. Do you have a morning routine and what it is? 
You know, it really, I am much more of a sprint runner than a routine person. I actually heard that. I heard that you go backpacking. So you're like a woman after my own heart. Yeah. I, so when I'm, you know, when I'm in the space of writing a book, my life is very different than the space I'm in now. Mm -hmm. So my morning routine sort of follows whatever space I'm in. And since I'm in a complete, just sort of feeling and discovering and introspective space, I, I meditate every morning and yeah. yeah, in bed, like I actually wake up and, um, then just start meditating. How um, long do you meditate for? Um, 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the usual coffee, water, walk the dog, feed the dog. Um, and I'm, and I read, like I'm reading self-help books every morning and just working on that kind of stuff. So that's, that's mm-hmm. probably it. And I've been doing this, um, uh, five minute butt thing. I have no ass. I have like the flat. I, I have like the Sincero stop sign flat. Pure bar. That's the only time I really had a high ass. Was what bar? Pure bar. Bar work. You know, I don't do it. I, I'm a yogi, really. But uh-huh. um, if you go to these bar classes, B A R R E, they yeah. probably have them in Santa Fe. They like yeah. lift your butt. Like you, they talk about the shelf. Anyway. Check yeah. Okay. I will totally <laughs> check it out because this is the year of the ass. Um, I'm telling then, you. Yeah. The only time I've seen my ass go up. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Done. Um, yeah. And so just like little bit, I take it in tiny. I'm not like, I love, I hike pretty much every single day. It's why mm-hmm. I live out in the sticks. So um, yeah. So that right now is my morning routine, but it, it really varies. And I do want to say like, you know, there's such a conversation around balance, life, work, balance, and all the balance. And I just want to speak for those of us who don't have the regular kind, you know, whatever the correct kind of life balance, where I don't think it's incorrect at all. Like I find it very balanced for me to work my ass off and write a book in a month and, you know, do all the crazy things I do to get it done and then go backpacking for a month. So that to me is balanced, but that's awesome. And, and I think it's really important to figure out how you work and not to make yourself wrong if you're not following some sort of pre-prescribed way to be balanced. No, totally. And I also think that habits are different for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I do think like kindness, water, and sleep probably can be something that, yes. <laughs> that for everyone is different. But, you know, when I ask people to come up with a morning routine that works for them, it sounds like you have one. So, meditation and water and walking the dog or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very, it, it's not prescriptive. It's just, it, it's whatever works for you. Mm-hmm. And so, that is what I hear you saying about balance. And to go a step further, that's how we should treat our habits, right? through the what works for us because what will work for us will stick right which brings me to my next question which a lot of people in january dropping bad habits so when someone drops a bad habit i always say they need to substitute it with a different habit that Mm -hmm. also satisfies the underlying need so what are your thoughts on that i think that can be very helpful absolutely Mm -hmm. in in you know, nature hates a vacuum. Um, and, but I don't think it's essential. So if you quit drinking, you can just be a person who takes better care of her body and, and only puts things that make her feel good into it. You know, that it, it actually, so you are replacing the old habit with a new identity. So I just mm-hmm. contradicted myself. So, yes, I do think that you shift out of an old way of being or doing and create a new one. 
So it's more of an, a way of being versus like, you know, the habit of drinking would be replaced with the habit of tea or something like that. You know, it can be both. It can mm-hmm. be, yeah, it did. Yes. But I don't think it has to be a new yeah. action, but it can be. And it certainly can be hugely helpful for sure. Yeah. I love this idea that like nature hates a vacuum. Mm. <laughs> That's why the scarcity mindset doesn't work, which brings me to talk about money in the time we have remaining, because that mm-hmm. was from what I understand the impetus to writing, you are a badass to begin with, mm-hmm. right? Sort of the yeah. scarcity mindset that you had mm-hmm. about money. And so when we talk about habits in turn of money, mm-hmm. are there healthy habits around money specifically? Oh my God. So many. <laughs> and this another show, but yes, yes, yes right. Yes, and in 10 and, minutes, tell us. Okay. First is mindset, 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 mm-hmm. and busting yourself on your beliefs around how all rich people suck, how I'll have to do stuff. I hate to make money. It's hard to make money. I suck at it. Like all. And so actually, I put this, um, I plagiarized myself because I put this exercise in. <laughs> You are a badass and you're a badass at making money because it was so helpful. I think let's reframe. It's not plagiarizing, it's leveraging. Okay. Thank you. So writing a letter to money and, Mm -hmm. and really, you know, writing, you know, dear money, I love you. I wish I had more of you, but I feel dirty even saying that. And, you know, really writing it down so you can see, because, because we all in our conscious minds are like, if if I said, Hey, I'm going to give you $10,000, you'd be like, great. Like nobody would say no to that. (laughs) However, so we think we have a healthy relationship with money. Meanwhile, underneath, we are grouchy about rich people. We are, we don't think it's okay to charge for what we do because that means we're not spiritual or you know whatever. Yeah, we've got really negative beliefs about money that we are automatically assuming is the truth. And once you start, once again, when you remember to wake up and look at what you've got going on, that is the key to shifting it. Yeah. So believing that we're worthy of abundance. Yeah, that's a big one too. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Huge. Because if we're worthy, then we can accept that, which I believe is waiting for all of us. Absolutely. But if you keep talking about how gross rich people are, you are not going to let yourself do it. Yeah. And, know, that's, so- and obviously we can apply that to everything, right? Absolutely. To love, yep. to, to work. Yeah. And I mean, you know, even for people who are listening, like this belief that I have to stay in a certain job, which I know lots of people aren't staying in their jobs anymore, but because- mm. If I if I leave, then I'll you know be in scarcity um, mm. around money. So right. it's this idea of like not. It's kind of this idea, and you talk about this in 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 badass habits of, of like staying stuck on purpose. That like if we stay stuck, it's more familiar yes. than than being totally. unstuck. So even if there's healthier behaviors, so it's like kind of like for me, I kept drinking for probably like eight years longer than I wanted to, because I thought that if I if I stopped drinking, I would lose a sense of belonging. Mm. I would didn't know if I was ever going to have fun anymore. And even though I knew that that was a better path for me and a healthier path with me, the unfamiliarity of the unstuck state was way scarier than staying stuck, right? Yeah. Even though it was better for me. It was weird. And it's like, it didn't even cost me anything. It wasn't like something. <laughs> but- well, this is why my number one tip always, like if it was like, just say, what's one thing that people can do right now to change mm-hmm. their lives is always do something that scares the crap out of you on a daily basis. So, and I mean it in the way that like something that's so uncomfortable and unfamiliar, because that's the key to your freedom. 
When totally. You, yeah. When you do it's, things, that, it's the key to wonder too, isn't it? Like I yeah. the kids on my radio show, they're nine and 12. And oh. they said their their big um, recommendation for listeners was do one new thing you've never done every day, because if you yes. don't never learn and grow. Kids said that. Yes. Right. Oh so they were like, yeah. they said kids are, you know, I asked them why kids are happier and they said kids are happier because they're constantly in new environments mm-hmm. with permission. Right. So we get I very stuck it. into our comfortable settings, right? When especially working from home or whatever it is. And then, but kids, it's like they have to get on the bus and go out and every day is different. They don't know what's happening. And so everything's new. And so they have to approach and lead with that sense of wonder. That is a great, that is, I love, that's just, they just want to see what they can get away with. <laughs> yes, <I laughs> Literally, <love>. most kids. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. our freedom, our freedom from our stuck state and, and you know, here in closing mm-hmm. is this ability to, you know, wonder what we're capable of and, and experience it, you know? Yeah. And to do something that's a little scary, like equal parts excitement and scary, because yeah. that's getting out of your familiarity zone. Cause it's not, it's not scary, exciting if it's familiar. Yeah. And, and maybe that's just something like taking a painting class where, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't have to be, you right. know, really, really really scary, but it could just be, and taking it down to chunks to repeat into one day size chunks, because yeah. I'm a big proponent of how we show up every day is how we end up creating, curating our life, right? Because our life totally. is just a collection of our days. Yeah. And just every day being like, what, what can I do today that I've never done before? Or that's a little yeah. bit scary and exciting. Like just make it fun. Totally. Totally. Yeah. We're way too serious as adults. Right. Totally. And I think this idea of like getting unstuck is about sort mm. of coming home to sort of our childlike selves. Absolutely. So in closing, so how can people find more of you? So people want to buy your books, they want to ask you to speak at their events. They, you know, how can people um, learn more about you? Where do they go? They can go to jensincero.com, J-E-N-S-I-N-C-E-R-O.com. Um, and you are a badass.com will also get you to the same website. And on there is contacts of my publicist and my books and all the little, we have many, many a, a swaggy item. We have lots of calendars and buttons and crap like that. Um, yeah. So it's all on my website. I know. Instagram. I saw the mug. <laughs> I am the a mug. badass mug. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So amazing. Oh, thank um, you. Well, thanks everybody. Thank you, Jen, so much for being here. It was a riveting conversation, really. Oh, this was great. So amazing thank and helpful. And um, thanks everyone for tuning in. Tune in next week for another week of learning how your habits can create a happy life. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Habits for Happiness. Please join Lady Fuller for another edition of the program next Friday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, discover how to find your new happy place.